0: On today's Locked On Jayhawks, Kansas takes on Kansas City UMKC in a uh, game on Tuesday night. We preview the action, what we're looking forward to see out of KU in this week. You are Locked On Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcasts. You can like and subscribe to us on our YouTube page. And uh, thank you to every day is out there tuning in to each and every episode. We talked about KU's bowl game. We recapped the UConn game. We're going to have plenty more content coming at you this week. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're talking KU against UMK. And previewing the game for the Jayhawks, we'll get into our matchups of the game, players to watch, and more with the UMKC Scouting Report. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LockedOnCollege for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. Now, uh, KU takes on UMKC at seven o'clock Tuesday night. Uh you can listen to the game on KLWN and 1059 GIFs with pregame starting at 530. And The Jayhawks come into this one looking to, you know, just continue uh, their winning streak. They've won three consecutive games, looking to win your fourth straight game here and keep up the good work heading into the Missouri game. As far as some of the top storylines in the game, uh, this is the first of your two games in a row against teams from the state of Missouri. Now, UMKC obviously, you know, kind of right on the border there in Kansas City. But uh, yeah, first of two against Missouri in the lead up into the game. Against Missouri, and I think to that notion, this becomes another game similar to the Eastern Illinois game. UMKC is better than Eastern Illinois was, but um, about avoiding the letdown, look-ahead type of performance. Right, you're coming off a game over UConn that you won big. You know, uh, it's it's I don't know. Everything's a positive right now. You just won a big game. Uh, all of a sudden now, okay, we we just played UConn. the, The crowd was insane, and now you're having to play UMKC. You could have an easy letdown performance if you're looking ahead. or or if you're just, uh, you know, kind of emotionally up from the last game and now you have to come back down. Then you have the look-ahead aspect of it where, hey, you're taking on Missouri next, your biggest rival, coming into town on Saturday, and that environment's going to be crazy. That game's going to mean so much. This is kind of that sandwich game in between where you could easily have, uh, again, the similarity to what happened against Eastern Illinois. Now, maybe because of what happened against Eastern Illinois, where it was kind of in that trap zone, maybe that makes it less likely to happen in this one, happening just basically a week later. So maybe that's a positive for KU here. Uh, Another try to further the bench and and develop that five through nine is another key storyline here. You know, Kansas really hasn't had that opportunity in a little bit, probably since the Chaminade game, to really feel like you can go deep in the bench and you're not going to have consequences and you can have a longer leash for some of the bench guys. Ideally, that's what the Eastern Illinois game would have been. But obviously because of score – And how close that game was, you weren't allowed that opportunity. You weren't afforded that to your bench. So, like, you go back, and obviously UConn, that was basically a six-man rotation, right? You're trying to win a top-five game. Eastern Illinois, a lot closer than it ended up being, so you end up having to play the starters uh, and the guys you trust much more than you ideally would have wanted to. Like, Nick Timberlake doesn't play in the second half. You go back to the game four, Tennessee, same thing. You're playing a top-ten opponent, trying to, uh, you know, salvage going 2-1 and in Maui after losing to Marquette game before you're playing Marquette top 10 opponent. And you know, one that you were losing to, right? So then you go back to even the Chaminade game. And even in that game where you were afforded a bit of a longer leash for the bench, you were, it was 25, 20 at one point. So like you, you weren't able to put them away to a point that you could play the bench even more minutes than you might've expected to. But obviously in that game, you still were able to do so. So this is a, a good opportunity to get those guys a little bit more minutes Maybe that helps with player development. Maybe that helps you earn more trust in a player by seeing them with a larger sample size on the court specifically. And I think when you're looking at those players, like it's a different conversation for each one of them, right? Like uh, really the five through nine. With Marco Jackson, he had a good game. He had some good moments against UConn. Like the stats don't jump off the page. When you're the fifth option on the floor, I don't know that the stats are really ever going to jump off the page. It's just can you do your role you know, to, to a strong enough level. Um, I thought he did well against UConn. I think there's still another you know, area you can jump to and improve there, and you're looking to see, okay, can you come off a good game and string together another good game after that. With Johnny Furphy, it's pretty clear he is the most trusted guy off the bench right now. right? Can you continue to rise up? Can you continue to uh, show good stuff and have a strong run of play and do the things, uh, right? Uh, defense, hitting threes that are going to get you those minutes and maybe extended sample size in this type of game? uh for Jamari McDowell right can you can you show some stuff to to maybe earn some extra playing time for Nick Timberlake can you continue to hit shots in this game and do a better job on the defensive end of the court that's gonna feel like Bill Self maybe gives you a longer leash in the following game he gets Missouri with you know Parker Brown this should be a better matchup for him so all the way across the board it's different conversations for every player but can you continue to establish those five through nine does anybody play well enough to make you think okay maybe they'll earn an extra one extra opportunity in the following game and with that one extra opportunity they'll build on it and earn even more opportunities right or will it just be uh more about gaining confidence for some of the young players and continuing to progress there's a lot of things you can do in a game like this to gel and get those players to progress uh i think the last big storyline i have here what will we get from ku from three they've been very jekyll and hyde from the three-point arcs so far this season it's been either uh inferno White hot from three, like the first two games and like last game, you know, even the yukon game wasn't a big amount of attempts from three, only 14 they hit nine of them. So it's either been, you know, they're shooting 45, 50, 55% from three, or it's just been kind of non existent. Like you can't hit the broadside broad of a barn. Uh, we haven't really seen a, a game in there where I guess maybe Marquette was like this. I think you were like 33% from three against Marquette, but again, that was kind of low volume too where KU has just been like average from three, where they've shot like 35% from three. It's been either really highs or really lows from three-point range. And ideally, you'd like to be a little bit more consistent there. It's nice to have the big outlier games. And you will have big outlier games, positive and negative. But instead of that being the whole way, have some more consistency all the way through to be able to rely more consistently on the three-point shot. Um, So I want to see Kansas have a a good three-point shooting game. For a back-to-back game, we obviously saw that in the first two games, but you know, ideally you'd like to see it for three or four straight games, and that would include this one kind of being along the way. Now, as far as the UMKC scouting report, they are 3-5 and five on the season. They're ranked in the high 200s on Ken Palm right now. Their uh, wins of the three, two of them are over NAIA schools in Avila and University of St. Mary. And then most recently, they got their first Division I win. That was against Southeast Missouri State they beat them by like 30. Uh, now that's SEMO team is ranked in the bottom 10 in the entire country on Ken Palm, so you should beat them by a lot. But credit to them, they did. Uh, meanwhile, their losses they lost by 38 points to Baylor, 23 points to a really good Colorado State team, 12 points to UNC Greensboro. That's like a fringe top 100 team, 10 points to Brown, and four points to Middle Tennessee State. Both those are ranked in like the 200s. This is a team that plays at a bit of a slower tempo. Um, and as far as the roster makeup goes for UMKC, they've got good size at the guard positions, like all the way through. Like at point guard, they're they're mostly playing a six-two and six-three point guards for the two that are kind of rotating in. Outside of that, really two for through four, it's like wings and and good size guards between six-four and six-seven that play the one through four or even the the third string point guard is is you know a, a bigger height there too. And the guards all do a good job of of teaming up to get rebounds. This is a good rebounding team. Uh, they don't really have great size at the center position there. They run six, eight with the starter six, seven with the backup and then two, six, nine guys ro- round out the rotation. It's mostly the six, eight and the six, seven guys who play though. I will say the six, seven guy, very good shot blocker, very good athlete um, in what they've done. But Jamar Brown's kind of the player to watch for them for uh, the leading point score. He's a good bucket getter, 14 points per game, almost five and a half rebounds per game, 49% from the floor, 38% from three Anderson cop is a lengthy kind of do-it-all guard he's getting 12 and a half points four and a half rebounds over three assists per game but he has really low shooting numbers this year and then cameron foss is uh, someone you have to mark on the outside he's putting up 10 and a half points four and a half rebounds per game shooting 45 percent from three on 42 attempts so far this season through eight games now as far as things they do really well as a team things they don't things they do well Excellent rebounding team. They're like top 60 in the country at both offensive and defensive rebound rates. So uh, not quite as good as UConn, but this is still a good challenge for you. They actually, on paper, have a better rebounding team than what you've been so far this season. They're really good at taking charges, and uh, they take a lot of three-point attempts at – around an average rate of three-point shooting. They're they're like slightly below average in three-point shooting percentage, but they take a lot of them. So if you have a lot of volume, they could get hot at any moment in time. Things they don't do well. They turn it over a ton offensively. Uh, They're really poor at free throw shooting in addition to not really getting to the free throw line very often. They don't force a ton of turnovers or get steals. They foul a lot, and they have one of the worst effective field goal percentage defenses with issues in two-point defense and three-point defense in the country. So um, certainly you would think Kansas should be able to win big, but we thought that with the Eastern Illinois game, uh, if you don't show up, then probably going to be a closer game than you might expect. But if you do show up, you should be able to win big. All right, we're going to continue on matchups of the game, players to watch in this one versus this episode of the show is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorites. Sporting event should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all your sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're going to be having. You might be heading out to the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Arizona, and you're like, oh, i got to get tickets if I'm, I'm you know, getting all this travel out there. Don't worry. You can get out there. I doubt it's going to be a sellout. It's been around like 20, 25,000 people there the last couple of years. Like, I don't think it's going to be a sellout. You can go. Pull up your Game Time app and probably get a pretty cheap ticket. And because it's being played on a baseball field, you get images of your seat views, so you have a better idea of what it's actually going to look like in a wonky type of environment. Snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, continuing on here with our matchups of the game. Then we'll get to our players to watch here. And uh, our player matchup, too, is part of this with Locked on Jayhawks. You can find anything you missed on any of our past shows, which you can find anywhere. You get your podcast or on our YouTube page. Uh, So our first matchup here is KU on the glass, KU rebounding the basketball. Kansas has had some, I don't know, struggles so far this season on the glass, which is odd because Hunter Dickinson is – uh, really good rebounding center, and he has been really good at getting rebounds, and he's putting up, you know, like 12 rebounds per game. It's pretty inc- incredible. And Kevin McCullough has had a couple of games where he's had triple-doubles and had, you know, eight, ten rebounds, whatever it is, but you're not getting much from the rest of the guys, and you need more there. Kansas ranks just shy of 300th in the country in offensive rebounding rate. They are barely inside the top 100 in defensive rebounding rate. With the personnel you have and, and with what you need to be good at based on some of the other strengths and deficiencies you have, Ideally, you'd like this team to be top 50, I think, in defensive rebounding rate. And you'd probably like them to be at least top like 150 in offensive rebounding rate. So you're kind of off those right now. Uh, UConn, I think, beat you 10 to 5 in offensive rebounding last game, which, you know, UConn is one of the best offensive and defensive rebounding teams in the country. So, you know, that wasn't a huge discrepancy and all things considered with that being a strength for them. Wasn't like, a I guess, overwhelming thing. But still, you'd like to think that you should be able to go toe-to-toe in that area with anyone umkc is top 60 in the country in offensive rebounding rate they're top 60 in the country in defensive rebounding rate so on paper they are a better rebounding team than you so in theory umkc actually has the advantage here despite not having more size and the reason is that umkc's guards do a better job getting on the glass and they really use fundamentals and box out well and everything like even when umkc played baylor Think about, you know, when when I think of Baylor under Scott Drew, year in and year out, they're putting up teams that are top five, top 10 in the country in, like, offensive rebounding rate, and they're just typically, under Scott Drew and and a Baylor, they're typically, regardless of the teams, they've had great rebounding teams there at Baylor. Even in that game for UMKC, where they're playing a big 12-level opponent, top 25-level opponent, and a team who typically makes that strength for them, UMKC grabbed 50% of their offensive misses. So half of their offensive misses they grabbed on the glass, and they also grabbed 62% of their defensive ones. Both of those numbers were almost 12% better than the rebound rates of Baylor in that contest. So they very much – did a much better job rebounding than Baylor did in that head-to-head matchup. So for Kansas, I almost expect UMKC to win the rebounding battle here. Make it as even as possible if you're Kansas here. But if you do win this rebounding matchup, I think that would go a long way in me feeling like, okay, maybe you're trending in the right direction here with some of the rebounding stuff. Number two here is forcing turnovers. This is just kind of a season-long tracking thing for me, to be honest. And I see too much, in, in the same way with rebounding, like Kansas should be a better rebounding team than the numbers show right now. I think Kansas should be a much better team with the turnovers right now. And I think there's too much potential in KU here, but it's it's not happening, right? I mean, last season, Kansas ranked 65th in the country in turnover percentage defense. They were good at it, right? They had 16 games last season they forced a turnover rate of the opposing offense of 20 percent or higher including four games where they opposed made the opposition turn the ball over 30 percent of their possessions or higher and they had nine times where it was 24 percent or higher so about a quarter of their possessions they were turning the ball over in nine of the games this year though Kansas ranks 285th in the country in turnover rate defense so they're not turning teams over and they've only hit that 20 percent mark, which again, they hit the 20% mark last year, 16 times against Manhattan and Eastern Illinois, and they have hit the 24% mark, a mark they hit nine times last year. They've only hit 24% once this year in three of their biggest games this year, they only forced 8% turnover rate against Tennessee, a 10% turnover rate against Kentucky and a 13% turnover rate against UConn. So you see the problem here, but now you're playing a UMKC team that ranks well into the 300s in turnover rate offensively so they turn it over a lot they rank in the bottom 10 in non-steal turnover percentage so they're running into charges they're giving away free turnovers that are not steals um and they're only average in avoiding seals so even then it's not like they've been great at avoiding seals you have Dwan Harris you have Kevin McCuller and I get both those players are, are probably having to do more offensively this year and maybe that you know, lessens your impact on the defensive end. You only have so much energy to to do. And, you know, a great Dick was pretty good at getting steals off the ball. Like Jalen Wilson was, was pretty good at it. Um, but still you should be a good team at forcing turnovers, make it happen. Get some easy buckets for the offense in this game too, if you do it, because that would also speed up the game. UMKC, not a very fast running team. You'd like to play at a fast tempo. That's one way to do it is get more steals. All right, Let's get to our uh, player match of the game and players to watch. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview and choose from. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. They have all the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I go on the LinkedIn app. I see jobs available. I have all my stuff preloaded on LinkedIn, and so I know super easy to apply if I wanted to because... You're just a few clicks, you already have your resume in there and stuff. So if it's easy for applicants to apply, you're gonna get more qualified applicants. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right continuing on here with our player matchup and players to watch on locked on Jayhawks so our player matchup here we're gonna go Cameron Foss against KJ Adams we talked about Foss in the UMKC scouting report He's their top shooter. He shoots 45% from three on uh, a little over five three-point attempts per game. But he also plays the four for them. He's like a six, 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 seven wing who can stretch out and can be a matchup problem. Um, I'd be interested to know how KU will approach it. Are they going to cross-match and put Kevin McCuller on him so he can chase him around from three-point range? are they going to put K.J. Adams on him and just let him chase from three? Now, if you do put Kevin McCuller on him, the guy they run at the three is their leading scorer, so then are you putting K.J. Adams on him? Now, K.J. is very switchable. He had an excellent game defensively against UConn, so I'll I'll just be interested to see how they approach it. The other side of the ball, though, as much as Foss is a shooter, and and that could make life tough for K.J. running around and chasing him and everything, K.J. should be able to feast against Foss. He is uh, not nearly as strong or built as K.J. Adams is, uh, KJ is going to have the weight advantage inside and he is more of that perimeter playing guard that KJ should be able to kind of bull, play bully ball inside a little bit with him so I, I do think that, that both players could have a nice advantage on the uh, offensive end uh, as far as other players to watch like Hunter Dickinson makes sense because um, UMKC doesn't have a, I mean six eight is their tallest center now their backup center Allen Davis Mukaba uh, is top 25 in the country in block rate despite only being six seven. They rotate centers. They don't have much size. So even though he has the good block rate, I, I wonder if how much of those blocks are help side blocks where he's the help side defender and he comes over and blocks someone. If he's in one-on-one, it's hard to get a block when you're on somebody's body and they're shooting a, a hook shot. I think Hunter Dickinson should be able to feast in this one. We've seen so many times against smaller teams, him just be able to, if you can get the ball up high to him, he's so good about keeping the ball up high and not bringing it down, and he'll just go up and, and get an easy layup. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Hunter Dickinson should be able to feast. Uh, Kevin McCuller, I mean, Brown, who is UMKC's leading scorer, plays the three for them. He's he's more of a shooting guard type, but plays the three. Uh, I He's a really good offensive player, so that'll be a tough match for Kevin. But he is their lowest-rated defender by Evan Miyakawa's defensive BPR. So if he is truly their worst defender and he's guarding Kevin McCuller, who is you know your best perimeter scorer right now, then Kevin McCuller should be able, be able to have a good game, too, for Kansas. So uh, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back tomorrow to recap whatever happens between Kansas and UMKC. We'll be back later in the week to uh, preview Kansas and Missouri. Nick short will join us later in the week, too. You can find our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also like and subscribe to our show on our YouTube page. Have a great rest of day. We'll see you next time with Locked on Jayhawks.